Welcome to the Conquer Your Draft Podcast, where fantasy champions are made. Welcome back to the Conquer Your Draft Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Josh, and with me as always is Mike. How you doing, Mike? What a week of football. Like, what? Like, fanta- playoffs, always fantastic. Uh, what, a, what a week. There's so much to talk about uh, that those games, some some kind of continuing news around coaching, what's going to happen next. Um, what a time. This is, this is one of my favorite times of year. It's, it's, I'm very excited. Yep, another another good week of football. Really only only one game was, well, I guess t- two, two of the games were a lot closer, I think, than people thought they would be, maybe. Um, the other two went, I think, as well, as we predicted, at least, I'd assume most of the public as well. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think when you look at it, I, I mean, the, the predictions I heard, a lot of things were sort of accurate, but games were a little closer than some people expected. Um, I think people did expect the Bills to finally get over the hump and, and win this week. Uh, obviously, that didn't happen. But uh, yeah, I mean, I really... As far as I'm concerned, three of the four games had pretty high entertainment value. And the one that was a little less close, which to me is Baltimore-Houston, it's fun to still watch those teams. Um, And I think they have fun entertaining teams. So at the end of the day, four pretty good games. And yeah, at least two of them, I think, were closer than people had kind of expected them to be. Um, But that was great. I mean, Tampa Bay, Detroit, I mean, that that was entertainment. Like that was really mm-hmm. epic. Mm-hmm. Yep, that was good. Uh, the Chiefs spills back and forth. I mean, and, oh. and, yeah, as a Bills fan, uh, <laughs> what a for you. heartbreaker! Yeah. It's it's like where who where, who to blame? You know, there you, there's a whole list <laughs> yeah. of people. Um, but what I will say is, I thought um, I thought that was again another really entertaining game. Both offenses went back and forth. They showed some of their really big strengths that each team has. Um, but I mean, was the star Jason Kelsey? Because he certainly got a lot of air time shirtless in the box kind of the whole time. Apparently he was partying with Bill's mafia at the tailgate. I had seen wild. That, Yeah. But like everyone, so Taylor Swift walks in with a bunch of security. A lot of people do do that if they're stars, whatever. But so Jason Kelsey just like literally went out and just tailgated. <laughs> Yeah, no concerns like, about his safety at all. <laughs> and uh, hey, he uh, he said, "I'm I'm retiring. I can do what I want." Didn't he say he was retiring, but not retiring, but retiring, but not retiring? Because I like heard him, yeah, say yeah. like on his podcast. I don't listen to his podcast, but I saw a clip where he's like, "The media, the media, the media." So uh, obviously, he's not a hundred percent sure yet. That's yeah. I I saw like official reports saying he was retiring and then a day or two later he was just talking about retiring and then <laughs> then he was retiring and then maybe he was retiring and i was like okay i don't care anymore i'm just gonna assume you're retired until i hear otherwise until i hear yeah from him it's until i see you things, on the field yeah, again i'm gonna exactly retired. <laughs> it's probably one of those things where he just wanted to make the news himself so he's kind of being coy about it but he'll probably make some sort of big he seems like the type of person that wants the spectacle so he's phoning up Aaron Rodgers asking him just hey how do I how do I, how do I get the most out of this 
Yeah, well, I mean, you could do you could pull Tom Brady, where you retire, not retire, retire, not retire. Yeah, I saw. Uh, I don't know if it was a rumor or what it was, but uh, I don't know if I. I'm trying to remember now. I think it was Kyle Shanahan tried to get him to come out of retirement to be the 49ers quarterback for a year. I think I remember this too. Yeah, I think that did happen. And then I mean, they found have, they found Brock Purdy. They yeah, found Brock Purdy. Yeah, and then there was your your conspiracy theory that he was going to show up and play for uh, for the Raiders. <laughs> for the Raiders. Well, he bought that ownership because the thing is, is when you buy an ownership stake in a team. You can't play for another team, but there's no yeah, rule no, saying you can't play for that team, right? It's what like yeah. Michael Jordan bought ownership in the Washington team or something near the beginning of it. And that he played, he played there in basketball for like two years near the end of his career. So I just thought maybe, maybe Brady would, if they were struggling at quarterback, which they ended up struggling anyway, I just thought that would be the go-to thing. It's like, oh, and Brady's coming out. You know, they had Adams and they had a good running back. I just thought they had the weapons that if you get a really good quarterback in there, they might do something. But yeah, that didn't happen. No, no. Well, we got a good amount of coaching news that we can uh, we can dive into. And then we'll do a bit more of an in-depth breakdown of each of the divisional games. Uh, so the Dallas Cowboys are going to be sticking with Mike McCarthy as head coach for 2024. Yeah, that's interesting. What do you th- what do you think about that? Uh, I mean, I'm not really surprised. I mean, it's hard to punish the coach for taking you to the playoffs, right? I mean, like that's not the season that typically gets you fired, even if you disappoint in the playoffs. You, you still made the playoffs. You were a top team in the league. You, you have the stats to kind of point to to say. No, I did my job. Like it just didn't pan out, right? Like you finished at the top of your division. But at the same time, I mean, this is the same old song and dance. So yeah. sooner or later, something has to change. To me, it's an organizational context when it comes to answering questions like this. And to me, the Cowboys, I just think when you have good regular seasons, which they do, it's not like this is the only one they have, but they this was a really good one. And then you always have the same result in the playoffs. I think the standard in Dallas is supposed to just be higher. Like, I think if like if Detroit made it to the playoffs this year and lost in the first round, I don't think you'd hear anything negative because they finally made it to the playoffs. But in five years, if they kept making the playoffs and always losing the first round, there'd be a coaching change. Because it's like, well, we clearly have the team that can make the playoffs. What's wrong? What's going on here? And I do think Dallas is kind of at that point for me. So I'm, I don't know the internal like politics of that team or, or you know, what, what their ownership or is thinking or how everything works. But in terms of Mike McCarthy, I just thought you might make a change because Dallas did it again. Yeah, I mean, I'm just looking at his stats here. So for the past three years, he's led the team to be 12 and five. Um, and is, I mean, his first year with the Cowboys, he went six and ten. But since then, every year has been twelve and five. They've been to the the playoffs. They they've only ever won one playoff game with him, though. So yeah, see that. So one playoff game in three three appearance, three years, three appearances. Is that what you're saying? Three appearances, one win in the playoffs. Yeah. So so one, he'd have like a one in three record in the playoffs, right? Like he because you lose, you're out. So his yep. record would be one in three. Yeah. Yep. So that that to me. I mean, it's only been three years, so maybe you're like, okay, 
we want a sample size of four or five years. I get that. But to me, like we've talked about on the show, Josh, and you know my saying, one is a dot, two is a line, three is a pattern. To me, once you get to three, it's it's a pattern. You can start looking at it and go, okay, maybe we'll give him one more year. But I don't know if Mike McCarthy has much more of a leash than that, just because if they have a good regular season again and lose in the first round of playoffs again, and he's one in four in the playoffs in four years, I don't think that's going to cut it. So I think, yeah, okay, he's coming back. Maybe that's not like a huge surprise, but I don't know if it's a very long leash here. See, I think it could go that way for sure. Like, I fully understand what you're saying. But, I mean, they had nine years, I think, with Jason Garrett coaching them. (laughs) And he went, I think, he went to the playoffs three times, never made it past the divisional round. So, same as... uh, same as McCarthy, really, but he had nine years before they gave up on him. So, yeah. I and overall, McCarthy's had no, no. Then again, he, like he's he's only into his fourth, I think, season, third season, fourth, maybe his fourth full or three full seasons, and not quite a fourth full season, I think, in twenty nineteen, maybe. Right. Uh, nope. Nope. Sorry. Twenty twenty was his first season. So so since mm-hmm. then he went six and ten. Since then, twelve and five. Yeah. So four but, years total. Okay. Yes, yeah, so four years total. So Garrett's had a lot worse seasons in that in his mix. He had a couple of like five hundred seasons where he broke even. Mm-hmm. He had he had one season that went four and twelve. They didn't fire him after that. It wasn't until he went eight and eight again in twenty nineteen that they finally decided to get rid of him. But. So McCarthy's statistically doing a lot better than Garrett was. So I could see them holding on to him for a while. Yeah. Um, it's going to be interesting. Cause I mean, it, it all depends what you think your team, if you think that's a, that's a one off and our team's way better than, than the way we played in that game. And it's only one game then fine. But I don't know. I'm of the mindset that, if you bring back a lot of the same band and you bring back a lot of the same team and you're expecting a different result, then there's something, there's something going on there. You're not, you're not 100% thinking it through you. I think you've got to make some changes. So maybe it's on the field. Maybe they feel like we have no problem with the way McCarthy's calling plays or putting together his system or working with his coordinators. We're going to make changes on the field. Maybe that's what will happen. Yeah, it very well could be. Uh, I mean, they're not going to be able to make much of an improvement through the draft, like in terms of like, uh, you know, a high, high flashy pick without a big trade because they're sitting at the 24th overall pick right now. No, it's going to have to be um, what trades or free agency, really. Like this, they're not going to be able to draft their way out of this. Yeah. Or just solidify the depth, maybe. And just hope that the stars that you do have can can carry it, but. That, yeah, see, uh, that's we we know my opinion on that. Yeah, I just uh, I look at Dak Prescott and I go, mm, 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 mm. nope, <laughs> can't do it. Yeah, we'll see what they decide they want to do. Yep. Uh, the Las Vegas Raiders are finalizing a deal for Antonio Pierce to be hired as their head coach, uh, which I think was their only option really, without losing the whole locker room. So I'm not surprised, but at the same time, I mean, he, he did well in the role, so he, he certainly deserves it. Um, and they're also expected to hire the former Chargers general manager, Tom Telesco, to take over for the, as their general manager. And I, I, just, I was just seeing, speaking of the Chargers, I saw a report that uh, Harbaugh, 
Jim Harbaugh is going to become their. Uh, oh, their I was going to wait. I was going to wait and throw that at you if you hadn't seen oh, it. But yep. Yeah, I, ju- I just I just saw it as we were like just before we were recording. Um, yeah, I, it, isn't yeah. that just recent? Like, I mean, not for when people are listening, but when we're recording, this is like breaking news. I'm pretty sure. Yeah this this broke pretty much. 45 seconds before we hit record. <laughs> yeah, yeah. so there you go. <laughs> yeah, so the, the Chargers have agreed to terms with Jim Harbaugh to become their new head coach. Uh, Jim Harbaugh, former San Francisco 49ers coach, what coached uh, Michigan, Michigan Wolverines yeah. since 2015. Uh, so he's making his return to the NFL. Uh, the Chargers needed a change of pace, and we'll see if Harbaugh can get it done. I mean, a coach who can win certainly has the the history there we'll see like they they need to change the direction so it'll be interesting to see what what happens chargers are a team that have a lot of talent around that team they've just got to figure out a way to make it work yep and that could just be the missing pieces you needed a different head coach they've got the offensive talent they've got some defensive talent like they have all the parts you just need to throw it together so definitely hopefully hopefully he can do that because that'll be good for for the fantasy side of things let alone the real life chargers well yeah um, from a fantasy lens that team turning around means you've got another team with a great offensive weapons like another great quarterback some really good receiver options you know 70 percent of the year keenan allen i mean i had him all year 70 percent of the year he was a fantastic receiver to start if they can clean that up and make him a must start it's there's another you know there's another receiver to throw into the mix so yeah it's all good Absolutely, yeah. The only nice wild card in that right now is what their running back room is going to look like. Yeah. Is is Eckler going to return? If he does return, is it more of what we saw this year, in which case that's that's it? Um, do they draft one? Like That's going to be the big question mark heading into uh, or heading through the offseason for them and into the actual NFL draft is what are, what does their running back room look like? Uh, the flip... The Philadelphia Eagles have let go of their defensive coordinator, Sean Desai. Uh, he'd already been relieved of play calling earlier in the season, and now they've officially parted ways with him. Um, I think that's a bit of a, I don't know, like you can only do so much when your defense is literally falling apart with injuries. Yeah, like, I mean, their defense wasn't great this year, but the injury bug was a big, big problem in Philadelphia. Yeah, I mean, they... They are a scary defense when they have all their parts. And, uh, I mean, you can only coach so much. Now, I mean, like, to be fair, their defense was absolutely terrible once those injuries set in. Like, you could throw all over them in the team that used to be uh, one of the, like, aside from the Cowboys, I think one of the hardest defenses to play against. And uh, so that was a bit of an overcorrection there. So I don't know if that was maybe why they're looking okay was coaching because someone else might have been able to right the ship and hold off the injury bug a bit and just let them survive. I don't know, but I think he was in a bit of a no-win situation there just with how decimated that defensive core was, especially in the uh, the secondary. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough to work around injuries like that when you're not, you're not expecting that. You want – you build a team a certain way. You think they'll be healthy – um, and then when you start losing players, I mean, it says something about your depth, but mm-hmm. there's mm-hmm. only so many players you can have on your team. There's still, you know, there's still a financial, either a salary cap or a team budget to deal with. And you only have so many roster spots. 
it's and that's tough. not really up to their defensive coordinator anyways. No, no. Right? He's, they, he they, just, they work with what they have. They have no choice. Exactly, yeah. No, none at all. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I, I get, I'm, we're not behind the scenes. So looking at it, I think they would have been able to excuse it just with how injured they were, but maybe there was more to it behind the scenes. Cause well, you know what? No, I kind of still stick with, with my side of things that, cause they removed him from play calling and it yes. still did not get any better. Like it was yeah. still terrible. So yeah. it clearly was not an issue with what he himself was doing as a coordinator. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just more of an issue of what they were working with. So I don't know. That's just my take on it. Ultimately, he's he's out looking for a new job, and they've got to try to rebuild because their offense, it doesn't seem as able to overpower their defense when they're playing that way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like some def- yeah. some offenses, they're so lights out, they can make up for it. This year, the Eagles couldn't. Yeah. Uh, the Dolphins and defensive coordinator Vic Fangio have mutually agreed to part ways after just one season. Um, I didn't think their defense did too bad. I don't throughout the course of the year, like they weren't great. They weren't terrible. They kind of got hit by the injury yeah. bug towards the end of the year too. They had, a, they had a couple of those games that were just terrible, but then they would shut a team down. Like they had a lot of highs and lows, um, which that's, I think tougher. If your defense is kind of showing a certain pattern or a certain way, I think it's easier to kind of look at things. But when you're just like inconsistent, I think that maybe that's what they're pointing at. But I would agree, certainly not worth making that kind of a change. Like I I thought, you know, with the injuries and concern, like Miami was kind of on the upward trend overall as a team. So yeah, I'm I'm a little surprised there. Yeah, maybe they're just looking at the... uh kind of back and forth a little bit and saying okay well we have the parts we just need someone who can utilize them each week it's possible yeah it's possible it just came down to that yeah uh the titans plan to hire the uh Bengals offensive coordinator brian callahan to be their head coach to replace mike vrabel uh, that will be interesting because the Bengals typically are more of a passing offense and the Titans for the past how many years have been a run first offense. So yes, that'll be interesting to see. Also, it'd be interesting to see because ultimately we're all assuming Derrick Henry won't be back next year. Um, but he's as far from what I've last seen, he's still planning to play. So there's always a chance he could stay with the Titans depending on if they can come to terms on a contract, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'd say it's more, much more likely than not that he's going to be somewhere else. So we're going to see a whole new Tennessee Titans that we've never really seen because they're not going to have him to rely on, and it's going to be a whole new offensive philosophy. Yeah. And this is why you need to listen throughout the year, because if you head into next year's draft and you're still assuming it's going to be the same old style of offense for the Titans, you're going to be caught off guard and you're targeting their running back instead of their wide receivers or, or what have you. Um, Carolina Panthers have hired Dan Morgan to be their president of football operations and their GM. So slowly starting to rebuild the (laughs) front office roster that they decimated throughout the course of the year. Yep. (laughs) Uh, I mean, they're a team that's got a long way to go. Um, they've got some interesting pieces. They've got a young quarterback, but they've got, uh, yeah, they've got to do a lot. So I bring in a new GM bring in a new president, 
build a direction for your team. If you have a young star quarterback, you've got to build an identity. It could be, a, sometimes it's a good thing to just have that sweeping change. Yep. And I'm actually just seeing a report here that Mike Vrabel from the Titans is scheduled to interview with the Panthers. So maybe oh, he'll great. end up there. There you go. There you go. Because Vrabel's going to end up somewhere. He's certainly yeah. talented enough to be a head coach. Good for coach, team. veteran coach, um, well, well liked. So I think it's the type of certainly the type of decision that again you could see you you want to build a foundation, you want to build an identity for a team. Yep, you're you're going after the well known personalities, trying to give them a chance to win. Absolutely. All right, let's do a little recap of the divisional round games. So, the Ravens. And the Texans started out kind of close, a little bit of back and forth. Uh, big special teams touchdown for the Texans, kept it close early. And uh, then halftime came, and that was pretty much the game because the Texans didn't do anything after that. They never scored an offensive touchdown. No, no. And, uh, yeah, I think like the Ravens were just... They're too strong. They're too strong for them over over the full four quarters. Uh, the Texans just couldn't compete with them. Um, the Ravens are a real deal team. They're definitely a top five team this year. Um, yeah, the, that was really the game that I would say was the earliest to, to be completely out of hand, where it's like, okay, Baltimore's playing this. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, well, we both expected the Ravens to win that game, but I, I think we both expected that to be a bit closer than it was, or at least competitive longer. Yes. Uh, yeah. I, I would, if they were going into the fourth quarter a little closer, I wouldn't, that was more what I was thinking it would be. And then maybe the Ravens would pull ahead and win. But yeah, I mean, I think the Texans being a young team, you know, this is an example of them losing in the divisional round. I don't think that's going to be a big deal. This was a great year for them. They won a playoff round against a tough team. They at least lasted a half against the Ravens, and now they can head into the offseason with all that experience to come back stronger next year. Yep, and they've got two, two first round, or no, sir. Sorry, I misread that. They've got a pick late in the draft now because of how well they did, which I think surprised probably everyone, including themselves. Um, so maybe if they can just add one more piece. At that point, they're picking 23rd. So if they could pick there, maybe maybe shore up that defense a little bit. Maybe their running back room, kind of figure out what's going on there. I don't think they need to worry about quarterback or, or wide receivers. Um, so just find that little missing piece to help push them a bit farther into the postseason next year. Yeah, and I'm just I I thought they had two picks, but no, they have one. It was because they got Cleveland's. Pick, mm-hmm. but they they traded their own away so yeah, arizona picks in their arizona. spot they pick in cleveland's spot who they also beat <laughs> so actually yep. houston moved up a few spots just by winning that game against yep. cleveland right like their pick gets to be 23 because of that so yeah i had i had seen their other pick there and i thought they had two but yeah they had traded it to arizona so yeah that late in the draft i think they're gonna have to just look at securing depth overall on the roster and leaning on uh, Stroud and their young receivers. Yeah. Yeah. And I think they'll be another year older. They'll be, you know, that much more experienced, good playoff experience. If they can get healthy in the off season, he's got two solid wide receivers, a veteran tight end who you can count on. And I mean, the running game, I think they need to, to work on it there. Pierce had an excellent rookie year, not a great 
year this year. Uh, but Singletary is a really good like secondary back. He can catch the ball in the backfield. He was really good in Buffalo at providing that kind of like extra support to the quarterback. So if they can share that up, if they can get their defense a little bit, maybe depth to the defense, maybe do something different or add a piece to get a good running game going, I think the Texans are on the upward trend. Yeah, yeah, me too. I I think it's been a long time coming, but they're finally finally heading back to the direction they saw themselves back when they first had Deshaun Watson, I have to say. Yeah. Uh, the other Saturday night game, though, way closer than I thought it was going to be. Way closer. 49ers had to make a comeback against the Packers. Yeah. They, were, they were losing. Yeah. I mean, the Packers, they, uh, <laughs> they're, they're the Jordan Love. He's proven he's the real deal here. Um, that team is performing in the playoffs way better than, than I thought they would. And, yeah, they, they kept it close against the 49ers. They took the lead. 49ers had to come back. Um, again, but with great teams, it's like when the 49ers come back or when when Kansas City, you know, comes back or but honestly, I look at them and go, well, they have a lot of winners. They have a lot of talent on their team. And like, they just know how to get it done. Good teams know how to turn a losing situation into a winning one. So a lot closer than we expected, yes, but I still think San Francisco doing that comeback and win that game was still pretty impressive. Like they still looked pretty good. Yeah, I just think it speaks more to the to the Packers than anything. I mean, they knocked out the Cowboys yeah. pretty convincingly. Yeah, gave the 49ers a run for their money. Like took it right down to the wire. So that could be a scary team next year. You get him mm-hmm. Jordan Love a little bit more help. Uh, he's got he's now got the full year experience made it all the way to the divisional round. He's going to get better. Same thing with CJ Stroud. I mean, very encouraging things. If you're a Packers fan, I would say. Yeah, definitely. Uh, with the Lions and Buccaneers, I mean, that was a bit of a two. It was almost like two different games in one. The The first half was just pure defensive between both teams. And then the second half was like, okay, whoever has the ball last is going to win. Yeah, they definitely had a, they both came out and, with the same idea. We, we got a score here. We got to start put points on the board. Um, yeah, I thought it was a, a very good game. Um, had a, it certainly had a good finish back and forth in the second half. Um, I mean, good for the Bucks for sticking around, like proving that even without Tom Brady here, like them having to turn a corner, going to Baker Mayfield, it's nice to see him kind of at least turn things around to a point where, hey, they won a playoff game and they – put up a really good fight against a good Lions team. Um, so they did a good job and it was, uh, yeah, it was another entertaining game. Uh, good for the Lions. Like, I think it's nice to see that franchise get some victories. Um, Gibbs, Jamar Gibbs looks good. <laughs> um, so yeah, good team. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think, I think Baker Mayfield played well enough this season to, for the Buccaneers to keep him around. Yeah. And I think he's a, uh, He's one of those kind of middle-ranked quarterbacks that can have really good seasons because if you surround him with good weapons, he's good enough to get the job done. And he's proved that this year. Yeah, so we'll see what his I guess what his contract situation is moving into next year. Um, the Lions pretty much played exactly what we expected. Some good defensive football, and then it took them their offense a little while to get into gear, but once they did, they, they never let their foot off the gas pedal. 
um, and they can hurt you through the air, through every position, wide receiver, tight end. They can uh, through the running backs on the ground in the air. Like they're very well balanced. You can't just shut down one player or one part of the game. They have mm-hmm. too many weapons. Um, and like Jared Goff is by no means like an amazing quarterback right now. Like he is not playing like Hall of Fame football, but he doesn't need to. He just needs to not turn the ball over, and he has all the offensive weapons he needs to to make big plays. Yeah, be be good enough. Don't make the crucial, critical mistakes, and and just use the weapons around you effectively. That's all. That like that's all, and it works. Yeah, yeah. I mean, really, you have maybe one big play in each quarter, maybe even just each half. And as long as it's not a play going against you, you're you're, pro- you're probably winning. Yeah, because because of those all stars all around you, and their defense is getting healthy. Uh, they're playing because they kind of took that lull there for a few weeks where they weren't very strong anymore, and teams were kind of putting up points against them, and it became a bit of a boat race. But now they're they're back to what we saw at the start of the season. They're they're back to being a formidable defense. They're going getting after the quarterback, pressuring them, making them make bad mistakes, and and their offense capitalizes like they, they are. They they have a chance to take out uh, to take out the uh, the chief or the 49ers, Sorry, and and head to the Super Bowl. I mean, if it's as close as it was with with the Packers, I I wouldn't be blown away. Do I think it's going to happen? No, I wouldn't be blown away though if it did. Yeah. Uh, and then the last game, Kansas City Chiefs outlast the Bills. Um, I mean. A heartbreaker for you as a Bills fan, more of the same as a Bills fan. Um, well, especially because the miss, missing a field goal like that yeah. is something that Bills fans have a lot of experience with. So, yeah, I mean, hey, they they want to have an outdoor stadium like that. That that is a risk you're going to run in important home games. I yeah. mean, if they were in a dome, good chance he makes that kick. Just saying. Yeah. That's very um, true. I mean, I know it's part of the culture there, but we already had to delay the one game at full day because of a snowstorm. You had to recruit your fans two games in a row to come and help dig out your stadium. And then you end up missing a kick because of it. So is it really worth it just to say we're, we're tough and we play football in any, any weather? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to kind of battle the weather. I mean, you you could and and probably should have indoor stadiums at you know at a certain point when you get to kind of the northern part of the states, really um, to not have weather be a factor. But you also like you know it's there. It's not like it's a surprise that there's wind. So as a kicker, as a team, you kind of have to compensate for those things. You have to try to figure out kind of ways around it if you're going to kick. There were a lot of bad decisions on the coaching side before that even happened. So it's hard to even just blame the kicker. I mean, how about not while you're in your own zone doing a fake punt for kind of no reason when you think you have the momentum, when you can't really stop the Chiefs offense? Like, how about not doing that? Like, I know they got the fumble and that, you know, ended up working out for them. But again, that's just one of those decisions that happens with this coaching staff that I'm not a fan of that I think, those types of decisions hurt you as well. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I understand why they took the risk that they did there. The the Chiefs only had ten players on the field for that punt, so if you were ever gonna fake one, you were that's the time. But at the same time, yeah, you're you're right. You're you're in your own end. The Chiefs offense, you're having trouble slowing them down, and it took a very lucky bounce for it to not yes. be a touchdown against you. And right? we're talking it was more than a yard. Like it's not like he just had to lean forward and get the first down. Oh like yeah, it, no, no, yeah, was, yeah. You know, a couple yards. So, well, like at the end of the day, when, when you're when you're the punter, you're you're running. What are you? Ten yards back. Ten so? yards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ten, ten so. yards. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just it's it's that you know Stefan Diggs complaining. He wants the ball. Wants the ball. Go to me. Go to me. And then making a crucial drop that like he just has to catch. Like that's an issue. Um, yeah, there were some I, deep deep drops too. There were yep. some deep drops. There were some play calls to go deep when you could have gone other areas. Um, like I think Josh Allen. You know, it wasn't a mistake-free game, but it was pretty darn close. And he, I mean, he, he ran touchdowns in. He was a monster out there. I don't know if there's too much more you can ask from your quarterback. So I don't put the blame there personally. But, you know, when you can name four or five or six things, then you start getting to, well, there's there's multiple things that could be fixed here. Um, and the Bills, kind of the same story for them. They just can't seem to get it done in the playoffs. I don't think they have on paper the team to win yet. It's just not there yet um, when you compare it to to the other teams kind of around them. So, yeah, I mean, tough, tough break for the Bills. Good on the Chiefs, too. They executed. They hit things. I mean, Travis Kelsey, I've never seen a player that wide open in my life on one of those touchdowns. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Why, why yeah. are you leaving Travis Kelsey? Of all on? people. Like, why? You're like, oh, no, they, he won't catch it. Like, ridiculous. Yeah, that was that was bad. He got two touchdowns. And, yeah, one of them was apps. Like, one of them was, was him being amazing and a monster. And the other one was, I could have caught that ball and run it in for a touchdown. That's yeah. how open he was. Yeah, there's been a few a uh, few plays like that in the the playoffs end of season. A few just huge touchdown plays, and it's like, where what what happened here? Yeah. Um, and for me, I think it comes down to the Bills wanted to play, wanted to be tough and have the outdoor arena, and it cost them another chance at a Super Bowl. So yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, just have a retractable, have a retractable roof. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no I mean, it works. Works really well in Toronto, the retractable stadium. I mean, works great for baseball. They just close it when it's bad, open it when it's nice. Yeah. You want it like, cause, cause I fully understand like the allure of it. You know, you got the sun out, you know, it's a nice day. It's warm out. Everyone's having a good time. No problem with that. But it is torrential downpour. Rain is blowing sideways or it's snowing. It's screwing up everything. Everyone's frozen in the, the stands. Like, um, it wasn't at that game, but in the Chiefs, uh, in the Chiefs game before that, they uh, against the Dolphins, like fans were buying beer and, and other drinks, and it was freezing before they could even drink it. Like that, what? Why yeah. are we doing that? Yeah. Who is no, enjoying this? You know, this is just making everybody miserable. And then when you throw the wind in, it ends up costing you a game. Like, yeah, sure, the kicker could adjust for the wind. But I mean, when you get it in kind of storm-like conditions, it's not a steady wind, right? It kind of swirls, gusts, 
um, y- you don't know what it's going to do. And I mean, part of that's on the team, you know, they, they could have gotten closer and kicked it from a lot shorter. So that's on the offense, you know, the defense could have made a stop, prevented uh, the Chiefs from getting point. Like it, it all, it all comes together. But I think that's one of those things that you can control even before you get into the game is just take the weather element out. And yes, you can argue, you know, well, it impacts the other team too, but it cost your team this time, you know, I don't know. I just, they should play indoors. It makes it so much easier, like for, for everything, for, for sports betting, for, for the players, for, for game planning, everything is so much easier if you take the weather factor away, because then it's just, okay, it's our best guys against your best guys. That's it. Yeah, I think like to me the the best compromise is the retractable roof. Um, I think the league and teams make enough money that you can you can spend it. Um, because I am the type of person that's like I, I think the game is meant to be played outdoors personally. But when it comes to weather, when it comes to these kinds of circumstances, I definitely get why you need to make kind of an exception. So to me, the retractable roof is perfect in the summer, in the early fall. Like to me, fall is football weather little bit cool, but for the most part, comfortable. Um, everyone's kind of happy. It's, you know, not really raining, not going too crazy. Like, I think the best compromise is retractable, changeable roof. It works so well in Toronto. Um, it's a really great atmosphere when the dome is open. Um, and I think that for, with football stadiums, with the money that's pouring into the NFL, you absolutely could do it. I don't want to hear the the money argument from people because this is the one league that doesn't even need fans to show up and they probably last for 10, 15 years without having financial problems. So they can spend, the teams can spend the money. And so I think they should. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Mike, let's dive into uh, our playoff draft. Um, I'm pretty confident you have been you have been mathematically eliminated. I've been mathematically um, eliminated. Yeah, I needed I needed a bigger week this week to get back into it. Um, I mean, I think I think I was right about one. You, you, you got the Ravens again? right. Yeah, okay, that's and right. and I went two for two for mine. Uh, yeah, and, and I and I so. only went one for two. So yeah, uh, mathematically eliminated. So now we're just playing for sport at this point, but. Uh, yeah, it's it's tough sometimes to, to call these games. I, I should have picked the Chiefs, but at the end of the day, I thought the Bills would finally pull this one out. But they didn't. Almost. It was close. It was close. It was. I mean, really, you, the Chiefs won by three points. The 49ers won by three points. So six points going the other way, and you were three and one instead. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. But uh, it's your turn to pick first. So do you want the Chiefs-Ravens game or the Lions-49ers game? <laughs> oh, <laughs> I don't know. That's the thing. I don't, I've been thinking about this. And they're both good matchups. Um, I think there's a lot of interesting storylines going into it. I don't want to necessarily bet against the Chiefs again. I think that they're one of those teams that you really can't count out of anything. Um, so at the end of the day, I'm going to say both these series are going to be close. Um, and my bet is, I, I think the, I think the 49ers will win and and it'll be a close game, probably by three points again, but I think they will hold on and hold off, uh, the lions, uh, and punch their ticket to the Super Bowl. So I'm going to go with the 49ers over the lions. 
I mean, I'll even say it's probably only going to be by a couple of points, probably by a field goal. Yeah, I uh, well, I wasn't sure which way you were going to go, obviously. So if if I had to pick that game, I would have done the same. Uh, but I like I'm hoping the Lions win just because I I love the story of the season. You know, like uh, the huge comeback, the U-turn that they've been able to do with this uh, franchise. So I'll be cheering for the Lions, but expecting the 49ers to win. I'm uh, I'm going to go with the Ravens. I'm gonna, I'm going to bet against the Chiefs because there was two things that I saw in that game against the Bills that I've seen in the past few weeks, and it was penalties and drops. They're both still plaguing the Chiefs' offense. The Ravens have a strong enough defense that they make you you have to be on top of your game. Like we saw the we saw the uh, the Texans stampede over the the elite Browns defense and then get shut down by the Ravens defense. So I think we, we could see if, if the chiefs don't play at the top of their game, I think the Ravens can easily handle this game because they, they've been able to score pretty much on any defense going up against them. They've got the running game figured out. They've got the passing game figured out. Lamar Jackson is playing great football. Um, and I just, I keep seeing that the chiefs shoot themselves in the foot especially in the red zone. They keep making mistakes. They keep make, getting their offensive line, getting holding penalties, not lining up properly. False starts. Like It all it all drags down on the team. And I just don't see that the Ravens are, are playing better football. They're playing mistake-free football. The Chiefs aren't. And uh, when you have two high-powered offenses like that, I think the, team, the offense that functions better is going to be the one that wins. So I'm going with the Ravens. Yeah, it's such a, it's such, it's going to be such an interesting game because I think I agree with all your points that you're making, but I think the, it's the intangible. That's the thing about sports. There's always that intangible thing. And for whatever reason, the Chiefs have it, whereas a lot of other teams don't always have it. So I think, I do think it's going to be a close game. I don't know who I would pick. That's why I didn't want to. I guess now <laughs> technically I'm on the Chiefs <laughs> because you yep. picked the Ravens. But I think I think it's going to be another close game. I just I I don't know if I can bet against the Chiefs. This might be one of those years though where the Ravens they're just they're just too good of a team. They've they're playing really well. They're looking really good. It's going to be a good game. I'm looking forward to both of these games. I think they'll be close. I don't think we'll have a blowout. I think both all four teams are going to make this really interesting. Um, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it's going to be a good good weekend of football, absolutely. All right, well, let's dive into our, our wide receiver review. Uh, so we'll go over our rankings quickly and then uh, how they finished in 2023. So we both shared Justin Jefferson at number one. Uh, I had Jamar Chase at two, followed by Cooper Cup, Tyreek Hill, A.J. Brown, Stephon Diggs, Devontae Adams, C.D. Lamb, Amonara St. Brown, and Garrett Wilson. That one did not age well. <laughs> that that lasted all of four plays <laughs> into the season. Yep, that, um, one was, that one was tough. Yep. <laughs> you had uh, Stephon Diggs at two, followed by Cooper Cup, Jamar Chase, Tyreek Hill, C.D. Lamb, Devontae Adams, A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, and Amon Ross St. Brown. So a lot of uh, a lot of similar similar names there. 
Uh, we'll dive right into how they finished. Obviously, both of us were way too low on CD Lamb. Finished in at number one, mm-hmm. 335 points. I mean, uh, 135 receptions, over 1,700 yards, 12 touchdowns. Hard to compete with that. He was Dak's guy. He was catching pretty much everything thrown his way. I mean, what what else did you say? He had a great year. Him and him and number two for me separated themselves from the pack. A lot of that was due to to health from from some other people, but I do think that um, they separated themselves from the pack this year. They were both really really solid, and CD Lamb, especially in the latter half of the season and well into the fantasy playoffs, like really turned it on. Um, got hot at the right time. Um, I think you know I brought it up a couple weeks ago with Dak Prescott. How I don't think Dak Prescott can repeat what he did this year. And my sort of asterisk was CD Lamb because mm. he, if he can continue to evolve and be another Tyreek Hill, where it's just like an elite wide receiver who you can trust, who can do a lot of things, got the speed, got the hands, can do a lot of yak yard stuff. He's the type of player that can elevate quarterbacks, um, which is what I think happened this year. Yeah, absolutely. And and speaking of Tyreek Hill, uh, he was at number two, 316.9 fantasy points. He had 119 receptions, one yard shy of 1,800 yards, 13 touchdowns. I mean, he's famous for the yards after the catch, right? You know, you can throw it to him anywhere on the field, and if you don't get hands on him right away, he's gone. Um, so having a weapon like that, and obviously C.D. Lamb doesn't have his speed, but he's able to position himself and get himself open and take advantage of defenses that that kind of makes up for that lack of speed. You know, he, he plays very smart, not that Tyree kill doesn't Tyree kills an amazing wide receiver, but he just has an unnatural speed to him that if he gets running, you're not catching him. We were both really wrong uh, on our receiver picks this year. Um, and Tyree kill, we definitely had him too low four and five. He's a t- he was two this year. He was one well, for a very long time. I, I take solace in the fact that so I had Jefferson, Chase, and Cup ahead of him, and all three of them dealt with injuries for yeah. big chunks of the season. So I take yeah, solace I Chase, in that. Yeah, Chase and Cup I had ahead of him, yeah. Yeah, that that is what I'm just going to lean on. Um, C.D. Lamb I was much too low on. I don't really have an excuse for that. Um, and then we were both low on Amon Ross St. Brown. He, uh, he finished third, 271 mm-hmm. fantasy points. That's kind of where we saw that drop. Um, he had 119 receptions, over 1,500 yards, 10 touchdowns. He, I think, would have finished better if Sam Laporta hadn't have had the year that he had. Yeah. Uh, I think Sam Laporta took a lot of touchdown red zone targets away. A lot of the... Now, now to be fair, he still got a lot of those check down passes. Like, it was very frustrating being a Laporta manager and seeing how many receptions St. Brown would get in a game. Yeah. But I, I think it's I think the number would have been higher if Laporta wasn't as successful as he was. Yeah. Um, Puka Nakua at number four, 246 fantasy points, 105 receptions, over 1,400 yards, six touchdowns, 89 rushing yards. Um, I forgot to mention that was C.D. Lamb. He had over 100 rushing yards and two rushing touchdowns, so he was re- just all over the place. Um, and we see a bit of that in Puka Nakua as a rookie, so I'm very excited to see what Puka can do next season. I'd be surprised if he's outside of the first round. Mm, yeah. 
I think that's fair. I think so. At bare minimum, he's an early second round pick, I would say. Yeah, I would say that um, he just proved, at least at least to me, that um, that that he's really just that other Cooper Cup, Amaro St. Brown talent, where he's got a lot of levels to him, got the speed, got the hands, can do a lot of yak yards. Like to me, I wouldn't argue right now at this point with with a first round, second round pick for him. I think he definitely has earned it. Yeah. Now it's going to be very interesting where Cooper Cup goes next year mm-hmm. and how oh, healthy yeah. he is. Yeah. Yeah. Is he healthy? What's his situation? Where is he? All those questions, I think. Yeah, they're pretty big. Yeah. So now this was my, uh, this was one of my, my picks for the season as somebody who I thought was going to do better than his draft, uh, draft cost. I had no idea he was going to finish this high. Uh, Mike Evans, number five, with 243 points, mm-hmm. um, only had 79 rece- receptions, though. So you needed those big touchdowns and the big deep passes for him to have a good week because he wasn't getting like the he wasn't like Alan Ross St. Brown, where you could expect five, six receptions a game. No. You might only get three receptions from Mike Evans, but they might be for like 140 yards. Yeah. He's the first one that even seeing him that high on the list from paying attention this season. Again, a little bit surprising that he maintained that and he was there. I thought we were going to see a drop off um, and he did have some inconsistent weeks. But like you said, when he had a good week, it was excellent. And the fact that, you know, you finished with 13 touchdowns. Well, there you go. You're right near the top with the other top receivers for receiving touchdowns right there with Tyree Kill, CeeDee Lamb. So obviously he was used in the red zone. Um, he clearly is a key point of that offense. And I think because Baker Mayfield did have a good season, it helped him too. I think he's part of why Baker Mayfield had a season. Cause we had spoken about this back. I think when we talked about Mike Evans and why I thought he would do better than he did is because Baker can throw a good deep ball mm-hmm. if nothing else. And that yeah. was, that's exactly what Mike Evans did. Just ran down the field, caught the deep ball. So I yeah. think that helped both of them. Whether or not they can repeat it, that remains to be seen. But uh, yeah, he, he was one of those boom bust players that you, you couldn't sit because you never knew when he'd have like a twenty point game. Yeah, it's true. Uh, DJ Moore came in at number six, two hundred thirty eight and a half fantasy points, ninety six receptions, one hundred and thirty. Sorry, thirteen hundred sixty four yards, eight touchdowns, one rushing touchdown. 20 rushing yards, 21 rushing yards, sorry. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think if he didn't have that huge blow-up week, he's not in the top 10. Mm-hmm. Probably not even in the top 12, really. So I think it's a little bit skewed there. I don't think you felt like he was a top six receiver if you played him all season. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he had huge boom weeks and then came back down to earth for a few weeks and you were disappointed. Yeah. AJ Brown, number seven. I was very surprised he finished that low. Uh, 236.6 fantasy points, 106 receptions, over 1,400 receiving yards, only seven touchdowns. Hey, I uh, that's the closest I got on this list. I had him at eight. <laughs> so it's yep. the closest I got to being right. <laughs> yeah, no, you're, you're right. Um, I was just surprised because he was heading into deep in the season he was a a top three wide receiver mm-hmm. for points yeah and then uh, like like we saw the 
the Eagles lost six games there that their offense kind of fell apart and he had, was dealing with injuries. Uh, he didn't play. I don't, I don't think he played in week 18 or, or no, he did. And then he got hurt. Um, so just, it kind of fell off the wheels there. Unfortunately for him, unfortunately for you for trading for him. Yep. Uh, yep. Unfortunate. Yep. Uh, number eight, Keenan Allen, 224.8 fantasy points, over 100 receptions, over 1,200 receiving yards, seven touchdowns. He had 49 passing yards and a passing touchdown. So yes, he did. <laughs> good, good for him. Yeah. yeah. Um, you you had him th- for, for the entire season, I think. I think you yeah. drafted him, didn't you? I did. I did draft yeah. him. Did he, did he feel like a top 10 receiver for you? Yeah, yeah, for the most part. I mean, just like everyone else on my team, they fell apart near the end of the year. Um, but for <laughs> 75%, 70, 75% of the year, um, when I was winning games and finished with an 11-4 and four record or whatever I finished, 11-3, I don't even know what I finished with, but I was top of the league. Yep, he was a big part of that. He was a must-start, easy decision to start every week. I think he had a little bit of an injury bug kind of mid to late season and then things kind of fall apart. But from the most part, yeah, he felt like a top 10 receiver. He did. Yeah, that's fair. I I mean, the, the Chargers offense just struggled as a whole. So he was like the lone bright spot for them. Sure. Uh, and number nine, Nico Collins, 220 fantasy points, only 80 receptions, just shy of 1300 yards, eight touchdowns. Uh, I don't, I don't know that he repeats in the top 10 next year. I think Tank Dell going down when he did really helped. Yeah. Uh, because cause both, they were having week after week of, you know, one would do okay, the other would do amazing, and then, you know, the next week they'd swap. And then towards the end of the season, with Tank Dell going down with the ankle injury, he no longer had that competition, gave him that late uh, end of season spike. Um, but there was a chunk of time in the first, third into the half of the season there where Nico Collins just kind of dropped off the map. He had one spike week and then was gone for a few weeks. Um, and I think with Tank Dell back next season, one would assume for the entire season, I, I don't think he's going to be able to be in the top 10 again. I don't think Tank Dell will either. I think they're going to kind of cannibalize each other's fantasy points, both be worthwhile, but I wouldn't draft them expecting a top 10 performance. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, Stefan Diggs, number 10, 220.3 fantasy points, over 100 receptions, over 100 and over 1,100 yards, eight touchdowns. Um, did not feel like a top 10 finish for him. Felt probably like a maybe a top 20 finish. Yeah, streaky, streaky player because ups and downs. But I mean, at the end of the day, he still remains to be really the big piece of that offense that had any consistency. So I think some weeks it felt totally fine with him in there, but then he would drop off. So I would have guessed he'd finished if you had said 13, 14, 15, then that would have been more in that area where I, I felt about him this year, um, but definitely not, uh, not top 10. Yeah. I mean, I think that was just a symptom with the whole Bills offense. You know, they were all streaky, except for Josh Allen. Josh Allen was really the only one who was consistent there. But, you know, James Cook had a streak where he was hot. 
you know, you had uh, you had Diggs being hot. You'd, you'd get someone else have a spike week. You know, they just happened to like Gabe Davis has one of those blow up games where you're mad at yourself for benching him. Uh, it's it's hard to play a Bills player that's not Josh Allen. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but that is it for our, our top 10 for our wide receivers. Uh, thank you, everyone, for joining us. Tune in next week. We'll break down the uh, the conference games and uh, prepare for the Super Bowl. Take care. Stay safe.